So at Emmaus, we've been talking about this idea of running for a couple of weeks. And we're going to look at a verse here in just a minute that has to do with running. After the worship service last Sunday, one of our church members mentioned to me a new documentary that they had watched on Amazon Prime called Just One Mile. And so this last week, I watched Just One Mile. And what Just One Mile is about is about a race called the Mid-State Mile that's hosted just outside of Franklin, Tennessee. And the way this race is set up is the track is kind of an old logging trail that runs through the forest. It's a 1.1 mile loop that goes through the forest. And in this 1.1 mile loop, there's 340 feet of elevation gain up and then, and then, and then down. The way the race works, you have 20 minutes to make that 1.1 mile lap. If you finish before 20 minutes, get a snack, get some water, rest. You don't finish inside that 20 minutes, you're out, and you just keep going. Last person standing wins. This last year, the man who won the race ran for 41 consecutive hours, covering 133 miles. That's unbelievable. All you have to do is run a mile in 20 minutes. Now, some of you are like, I'm not making it one loop. <laughs> like, that's just, that's not going to happen. But over and over and over again, striving against the competition, trying to keep running one more hill, one more step, one more time around, just keep running. You think about the dory, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep running, just keep going. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 at the end. Hebrews has been leading up to this point. Hebrews chapter 12, end of verse 1, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. God has set before us this spiritual path, this life that leads to his presence, that leads to eternity to him, this life that he has created to live, and he says, run. Now, when you watch this documentary, just one mile, and you, and you learn about these athletes, you're going to hear a lot about finding strength from within, like looking in, finding the willpower, finding the strength to keep running. In the Bible, when it says to keep running, you don't look within, do you? Where do you look to find strength in Scripture to keep running? You look to Jesus. You look to Jesus. The things that we are going to talk about this morning, I want to be crystal clear with you. There are some calls to action this morning in Scripture, but those calls to action are based on the salvation that we have in Jesus that comes because of God's grace in our life, and we receive that by faith. And so we look to Jesus, and we find salvation, and we also find an example, and we find strength to keep running. Verses 3 through 11 in Hebrews chapter 12, we talked about last week, and it's how God's love is poured out on his children. God disciplines his children. He allows us to face opposition and difficulty. Why? Because he wants us to grow stronger so that we will continue to keep running. So hear me this morning. We are called to run. We are called to live this spiritual life that's put out before us. But we do not run on our own strength. We run as those who look to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. You are able to run this life because of what Jesus has done for you and what he is doing in you. And God is strengthening you and he loves you as a father. And so he's going to take you through some difficult things. And you're going to face some opposition, but it's because he has this path set before you. 
Now the question is, how do we keep running? How do we keep going? Well, look in verse 12. Resolution number one for 2024. If you haven't made goals yet or resolutions, let's be honest, it's day seven. It's a little late in the year, but we're going we're gonna to throw them at you anyway, okay? Some resolutions. I want this to be true in my life this year. Verse 12, what does it say in Scripture? It says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. There's going to be three resolutions that we look at this morning. So if you like to take notes, it's one, two, three. These are three resolutions that we find in these verses. The first, and really when you look at the, the way the Bible was written in the original language, there's only one command here, and it's the command to strengthen. Strengthen your hands and strengthen your knees. Now you're like, okay, what's going on in that verse? Well, remember, the preacher who wrote down what we have as the book of Hebrews, loved sports. And he loved two sports in particular. He loved boxing and he loved running. And you find these images repeated over and over again. When it says there to lift your drooping hands, that is a boxing metaphor, a boxing imagery, that a boxer, when they get in the worst, most vulnerable position, is because they get tired and they drop their hands. And in boxing, when you get tired and you drop your hands, what's going to happen? you're probably going to get popped. You're probably going to get lit up at that point. If you keep your hands up, you're in a place to defend yourself and to continue to fight. This image is strengthen your hands. And so the people in the church that were being written to at this time, they're getting tired and they're getting lazy. And you're like, well, that can describe us at times. Like when we think about our spiritual lives, when we think about our lives in general, we get tired and discouraged and lazy and our hands begin to drop and what happens? We get popped because of it. And then it says to strengthen your weak knees. When do our knees get weak? Well, when we get old. But <laughs> when do our knees get weak? When we get uh, tired, it happens. But also when you get scared, your knees get weak. And so strengthen your knees. The call is to strengthen. Here's the neat thing. The author of Hebrews is drawing from the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 35. So if you like to write notes out to the side of your Bible, out to the side of verse 12, write Isaiah chapter 35, and, and the, it's up on the screen right now. Here's what Isaiah 35 says. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. What brings strength? When you're called to strengthen your hands to fight, when you're called to strengthen your knees to be able to keep running, where do you find that strength? By looking to the one who is faithful to save. By looking to the one who will always come to make things right. Where do you find courage to keep going in life? Because you look to the Lord and you believe that he is at work in ways that you can't see right now. That what you see right now in your life is not the end story, that he is coming to save, that he is coming to redeem and rescue his people. And so we draw strength in the Christian life by believing God is at work even when we can't feel it and even when we can't see it. God, you are at work and I trust you and I believe you and it gives me faith to keep going, to keep fighting, to keep running. Now this language of strengthen, you find it again in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And you might think of Philippians 4.13. 
our favorite misused Bible verse <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Bible, but Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't mean you're going to win every game. It doesn't mean you're going to fly and be rich. It means that no matter what you face in life, you can persevere and endure through that because of the strength of Christ at work in your life. Now, when it says to be strong in the Lord in Ephesians chapter 6, what does that look like? How do you grow stronger? Your resolution for 2024 is, I want to be stronger. Now, some of these teenage guys, that's literally their resolution for 2024. <laughs> like, I, I want to be stronger. But spiritually, I want to be stronger in 2024. How do I get stronger? Well, Ephesians chapter 6 is that famous put on the armor of God passage that we begin to put on, we begin to see true, become true in our life, all of these elements of the Christian faith. There's another concept that's called spiritual disciplines. You may have heard people talk about the spiritual disciplines of the faith. Reading my Bible, praying, serving others, gathering with the church, spending time in silence and solitude, reflecting in the Lord, giving to the things of the Lord. All of these things that we've been called to do. And you think, man, I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to get involved in the church. Well, guess what? The next four weeks at Emmaus are all about how to grow, grow stronger in the Lord. So if you're like, I would really, I could use some help growing stronger in the Lord, we're going to dedicate the next four Sunday mornings to doing exactly that. How do we grow stronger in the Lord this year? What does it look like to do this as a church? What does it look like to do this as the people of God? Because when you think about growing stronger, you can do that individually, but friend, you really grow stronger in your faith when you do that with other people. When you talk about growing stronger in your faith, it's going to happen when you are connected to other believers. That great verse from the book of Proverbs about how iron sharpens iron, we need people around us who will help us grow sharper, who will help us grow stronger in the Lord. Okay, I'm going to give you an idea. I'm going to put a lot in front of you here about who we are as a church. You've come to Emmaus this morning on a very important Sunday morning, okay? This Sunday morning begins what is a 12-year framework for us. And you're like, man, Owen, that's kind of a little bit of an overkill. Yeah, it is. I totally own it. I, I completely get that. Like, I, I stand guilty of I probably overplanned this a little bit, okay? But this is a 12-year process that we've laid out of God. What do you want to do in our church? Where are you taking us as a church? And so we have four of these three-year processes that we feel like God has put in front of us leading up to, to key markers in our church. January 7th, 2024 is the first Sunday of this group of years that we are going to call Strengthen. God, would you strengthen our church? Would you make us stronger, make us better prepared for the years ahead? Strengthen how? Like, what does it look like to grow stronger as a church? We have four things that we're going to focus on that we need to grow stronger in. We need to grow stronger in our biblical and theological foundations. Who we are as a church, what we understand about the Word of God. Okay? How do I do that? We have Sunday school at 9.15 on Sunday morning. Parents, Get your kids to Sunday school. They need to be in a place where they are learning the Bible. We need to be in a place where we're learning the Bible together. Sunday morning may not work for you. We'll find opportunities at other times. We have Wednesday night Bible studies at 6 o'clock. Connect with a group where you're able to grow in God's Word. 
get with a group of people and just share text messages about Bible verses. There are some groups of guys that every week we're in a text message thread and we'll just throw out Bible verses, pray for one another, encourage one another. We're reading through the Bible at the same time. Have people that you're reading through the Bible with. If you don't know where to start reading through the Bible, just ask someone or come next Sunday morning because that's exactly what we're talking about next Sunday morning during the sermon is how do I understand and respond to the word of God in my life? We've got to grow in that way. We have to grow in our missional focus. And you're like, well, isn't Emmaus really good at that already? It's been a big part of our church, and it has to continue to be a big part of our church. And you're going to see opportunities for that. We have a missions class on Wednesday night about this. Our financial base, growing stronger financially. If your finances are in a rough spot, on Wednesday night, we have a group called Financial Peace University. We have a class on Wednesday night specifically about helping you handle your finances in a godly manner. So if you're here this morning as a couple or individual, and your finances are in a mess, and you just need some encouragement in the Lord, there's an opportunity on Wednesday night to do that. We have to grow in our relational base, just loving one another and encouraging one another. And we're going to talk about that more here in a few minutes, what that looks like. As a church, as Emmaus, our goal is that in the coming years, God, make us stronger. Make us stronger in the Lord. Help us to know you more, to be more connected so that we can do what you've called us to do. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Bible. Isaiah 35 has this language about strengthening your hands, strengthening your knees. If you go a little further into verse 8, here's what it says. This path that we're supposed to walk down, Isaiah 35, verse 8. A highway will be there. It's talking about the people of God coming back to him. So they've been in exile. They were sent away from God's land to live in another area, and they're being brought back to God's presence. A highway will be there. And it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. I've never driven around and actually found a highway called holiness. Be kind of presumptive and prideful, but uh, this is the idea that as people come back to the Lord, it's like they're walking down this highway, they're walking down this path marked holiness. Look back in your Bible in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13. If you look back in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13, what's the command there? The command is to make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Resolution number one is this year I want to grow stronger in my faith. Resolution number two is this year, I need to straighten out my path a little bit. <laughs> I need to live in a way that is more focused, living, seeking after the things of the Lord. How many of you in here this morning, I'm going to force you to show your hands, okay? How many of you in here this morning have been to physical or occupational therapy before? Anybody been to physical? That's a lot of us. I had a feeling it would be a lot of us. So kids, there's job security, apparently, um, in that world. Physical therapy, occupational therapy. This is the Bible verse if you have anybody in your life that's interested in boxing or running, Hebrews chapter 12, 12. If you have anybody in your life that's interested in occupational therapy or physical therapy, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13. The language here makes straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Okay, here's what that verse means. Remember, the congregation who received the book of Hebrews, who's receiving this sermon, what are they? 
They're tired. They're beat up. They're a little bit discouraged. The Lord is trying to build them back up through this sermon. He's trying to build them back up. And he's telling them, the way you're going to grow stronger is you're going to have to walk on a path that is steady and straight. Because if you're going through physical therapy and your knees are weak or your arms or shoulders hands are not working well, that's not the time to walk on the curvy, rocky, up and down path. Like, that's not what you need in your life right now because if you're hurting and you're walking in a way that is difficult, you're going to get more injured. You're going to get hurt worse. But if you're going through physical therapy, occupational therapy, and you're walking on a straight path, you're doing those exercises, you're going to experience healing. You're going to grow stronger. So the question is, what does it mean to straighten out my path? Well, we're going to go back to the book of Proverbs, okay? Proverbs chapter 4. What does it mean to straighten out my path this year? It means, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The first question you have to ask about a straight path is, where am I walking? Take your life where it is right now, January 7th, 2024, and imagine if you stay on the path you're on right now, where is that path going to lead by the end of this year? Where's your life going spiritually? Where's your life going financially? Where's your life going relationally? If I stayed on this path right now, do I like where I would end up? Or is God trying to get my attention this morning and say, you need to straighten up. Like, you've got to course correct. You've got to get things straightened up so that your life is going the direction it should be going. This morning is a chance to turn back and say, Lord, I need you to straighten my path out. I need to be aware of where my life is going right now. Here's the second thing. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Students, all the way down to sixth graders especially, if you've never memorized these verses right here, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, can I encourage you to write these verses down this week? Put them on your phone. Find some place. These are some of the first verses in the Bible that I remember memorizing as a little kid. And... At 41, almost 42, these are some of the verses that I go back to most consistently in my own life. Put these verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, put these verses in your heart. Put them in your mind. Put them in your life so that you continue to say, God, I need you to make my path straight. In the Bible, when it talks about God making our path straight, it has much more to do with how you're living than it does where you're going. It has much more to do with how you're living than where you're going. Which means this, people come to me all the time, I say all the time, people come to me consistently, especially teenagers or college students, and they'll say, I'm trying to figure out what God's will for my life is. And what do we mean when we think about God's will for our life? Where I'm going to go to college, who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to work, where I'm going to live. We have all these life decisions about God's will. When you look in the Bible, and your Bible talks about finding God's will for your life, it very rarely talks about a decision you're going to make 
and it almost always talks about how you're living your life. So students, hear me out, whether you're in seventh grade or 12th grade. When you have key decisions to make in your life, who you're becoming as a person is the key to that decision. Decision making in the Christian life is not a magic formula, it's being formed into the image of Christ. That's what it means to have a straight path. That's what it means to live the life that God has put in front of you. We're all going to have decisions to make, what matters is the person I'm becoming so that I can make those decisions when I need to make those decisions. God, this year, I need you to make me stronger, and this year, I need you to straighten out my path. Verse 14, how does he do that? What does it look like to do that? Verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Resolution number one, Strengthen. Resolution, resolution number two, straighten. Resolution number three had to start with STR. You just knew it was coming. And I didn't even make it up. It's literally right there in the Bible. Like I didn't even have to like manipulate this or do anything to it. It was literally right there. We strengthen, we straighten, and we are going to strive. We are going to pursue. We're going to go after. What are we going to go after? Peace with everyone and holiness in our life, a life that is separated from sin and dedicated to God. And this is really straight up the middle for us. So let me ask you this question. In 2024, who do you need to strive to have peace with that you do not have peace with right now? The people of God are marked by peace and holiness. When we think about being the people of God, our lives are marked by peace and holiness. Now, there's a verse in Romans chapter 12 that says that we want to pursue, we want to have peace with all as much as it depends upon you. <laughs> because there are certain people in your life who just refuse to be at peace with you. Like they just will not do it. But the question is, are we striving for peace? Are we seeking to have peace with those people? And this year, God has said, the path I put out before you is you are going to pursue peace with everyone, not just the people you like, not just the people you already have peace with. We want to be a people, the people of God, characterized by peace and holiness. So God, strengthen us, make us stronger this year, straighten out our path, help us to strive for these things, this peace and holiness that comes in Christ, and then we are called to work that out in our Christian lives. Now the question is, how do we do that? How do we go about doing that? Oh man, it gets harder, all right? Verse 15, look at verse 15. How do we do those things? Verse 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. I would, I would put your attention up here on the phrase, see to it, that, that this happens. It's a word in the Bible that has to do with keeping oversight over people or, or having oversight over people around us. Oftentimes it's used for leaders in the church, but here it's used for the whole, the whole church. And what it says is, you're going to grow stronger, you're going to walk a straight path, and you're going to find peace and holiness when there are people around you who are keeping oversight over your life. Which means you need a church around you. You need brothers and sisters around you who care enough about you to speak the hard things in your life. Now, you want them to do that with love, and you want them to do it with gentleness, and you want them to care for you. 
Be careful of the person who always sees the speck in somebody else's eye but never sees the log sticking out of their own eye. That's not helpful for anybody, okay? We are not asking people to be the moral police for the church, but we are saying that when you are part of the people of God, you are saying, I need to be in a church where other people are watching out for me, where other people are keeping oversight over my Christian walk, my Christian life. If you're not connected to a church, next Sunday morning, 9.15, we have a membership class. You need to be a member of the church. You need to be tied into a place where people are watching out for you. They care for you. What are they watching out for? Number one, see to it, watch out for the church that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. What does that mean? That no one fails to finish the course, to continue to follow after God. Why do people not finish the course? They get discouraged or they stop caring. They become apathetic. And so in a church, we need to be looking and saying, do I see somebody who just seems so discouraged and beat up that they don't want to continue to go? Or do I see somebody who seems like they've grown apathetic? They don't care about faith. They don't care about the Lord. They don't care about the church anymore. And we need to be able to step in and lovingly say, this is what I see in your life, and we want you to finish the race. We want you to fall after the Lord. Number two, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. What does that verse mean? Well, there's an Old Testament connection. No surprise. <laughs> our author loves the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 29 is our Old Testament connection. Let me read these verses for you. Deuteronomy chapter 29, it says this. Beware, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God. So get the image. In the, in the community, the congregation, the church, there's someone whose heart is turning away from the Lord. And what are they going to do? They're going to serve the gods of the other nations. Now look in verse 19. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. One who, when he hears the words of the sworn covenant, the words of the Lord, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. <laughs> now, we live in the South. We know bless your heart doesn't always mean bless your heart. Uh, <laughs> this person in Deuteronomy 29, they are blessing their own heart, so take that for what it, what it is. But this person in the congregation is saying, I'm going to live however I want to live. I'm going to turn away from the Lord. This whole faith thing is dumb. I can't believe people are still connected to the church. I don't know why they would do that. I'm going to do whatever I want, and it's going to work out just fine. And what happens is that person, as their heart grows bitter toward the Lord, it begins to infect the whole congregation. When a person's heart begins to grow bitter toward the Lord, bitter toward faith, it will have an effect in the whole group. And here's the other reality of bitterness growing up. When people grow bitter toward one another, it will affect the whole church and the whole congregation. Bitterness in our hearts is deadly. It is toxic to a church. Which says that in 2024, we have to look at our lives, and, and I would just ask you to look at your life right now and say, is bitterness taking root in my heart for any reason? Why do people get bitter? What causes bitterness inside? Unresolved relationships cause bitterness. This sense that you're, 
not speaking about it. It just continues to get internalized. And the more it gets internalized, the more it turns toxic. And then when it comes out, ooh, it's really toxic then. Like, and then it affects everybody around you. People get bitter when life doesn't go the way they want in life to go. Unmet expectations will cause bitterness. And we get bitter toward the Lord. We get bitter toward other people who didn't have anything to do with the fact that our life didn't go the way we wanted it to go, but we're still bitter toward them. And we just get bitter at life in general. And bitter people, you know what it's like to be around them? It's bitter. Like, it's just not good. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 11, it said that the people of God want to produce the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Being around the church, being around the people of God should bring peace and bitterness will bring toxicity. It'll be deadly to the congregation. Number three, what's the third thing we need to watch out for? So watch out for carelessness. Watch out for bitterness. Number three, watch out that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. This is the story in the Old Testament about Esau who gave up his place, who turned his back on the people of God, the covenant of God, because he wanted a bowl of lentil stew. I don't know if you've had a bowl of lentil stew lately, but Esau made a really poor decision here. Like, I, I don't know what he was giving up for, but this was not, I mean, I, I'm a soup guy. I love soup, but like, I don't know what he was doing here. He's an example of someone who pursues personal instant gratification instead of trusting in the goodness of God. And friends, I want to say this so gently and carefully, but sexual immorality and immoral, immorality will damage a church. It will hurt the peace in the church. It will hurt the mission of the church. And so we look around and say, we want to care for one another. Now, God's grace is sufficient. God brings healing and restoration in beautiful ways. We're going to talk about this a few weeks down the road when we talk about marriage and sexuality. But we just need to realize the impact that sexual immorality and holy, unholiness will have on a church. Why does this matter so much? Well, look at verse 17 which we're going to look out very quickly, not only because of time, but because it's such a hard verse, okay? So we're going we're gonna to touch, touch on this because we need to feel the impact of verse 17, but then we'll begin to talk more about it next week as well, okay? Verse 17. For you know that afterward, when Esau desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is the fifth time in the book of Hebrews that we've seen one of these warning passages where the preacher is saying to the people, be careful, watch out for your faith. Do you have a faith that's going to continue or do you have a faith that has never been authentic from the beginning? Do you have a faith that's always been seeking after the wrong things? And how does it show up? It shows up in this attitude that says, I don't really care what I do. It doesn't matter what I do. God's going to be fine with it. He's going to overlook it. I'm just going to live however I want, and it'll work out okay on the end. And the preacher says that is not the case. The people of God are marked by hearts that are turned back to the Lord. Here's the verse that's going to help you with verse 17, okay? The verse that helps us make sense of this verse right here is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. So if you're like me and you look at Hebrews 12, 17, you're like, man, I have no idea what to do with that verse. I think 2 Corinthians 7.10 helps us. Here's what it says. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, 
whereas worldly grief produces death. There's a type of grief in a person's life that's more a grief of, man, I'm sorry I got caught. (laughs) Or there's a grief that says, I'm sad that life didn't work out the way I want. Godly grief says, my only hope is to turn back to the Lord. I don't stand any chance on my own. I have no hope on my own because of what I've done in my life, the mess I've made with my life. My only hope, my grief, is it turns me back to Jesus. And I would tell you as we end this morning, in 2024, you have this spiritual path before you, you have this course before you. The most important thing that you can do today is that you would trust in Jesus for salvation. Where do you find strength? Where do you find the path to walk? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Your only hope for eternity, your only hope for your life is through Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've sat through a lot of church services, you've had people who care about you and you've always pushed Jesus, you've always pushed pushed faith to the side, this is the year that you turn and say, my trust is in Jesus. He is my life, he is my hope, he is my strength, he is my savior, and he is my Lord, and I give my life to him. If you've never done that, my prayer more than anything else this morning is that you would trust in Jesus for salvation, that you would know his goodness and his peace and his forgiveness. And this morning, if you're here, and you know that's true in your life, you know you're a Christian, but your life has been going so much the wrong direction that 2024 is the year that you turn back to Jesus. You turn back to him for strength, for the path to walk, that you would strive after the right things, that you would have people around you who are keeping watch out for you. Man, as a church, we should be obsessed with feedback on our lives. Like, we talk about this as a staff. We talk about this as a church. We want to be people who are obsessed with other people speaking into our lives about what they see about God's truth and grace and goodness. We want people who keep watch over us because we want to live a life that honors the Lord. We want to live a life that's always focused on Jesus. And one of the most beautiful ways that we get to do that as a church is when we take the Lord's Supper together. And so here in just a minute, we are going to come to the Lord's table. And we're going to take that cracker and we're going to take that juice. And what we are doing in that moment is saying, Jesus, you are my strength. You are my path. You are the one who brings peace and holiness. And I trust you. I give my life to you. Let's pray together. Father, this year, As we think about our lives, we think about someone who is a boxer. We think about someone who is a runner and how easy it is to get tired and discouraged and our knees get weak and our hands begin to drop and and we just lose sight of what's most important. And you come back to us through your word and you call us to be strong in the Lord. God, would we grow, grow stronger as a church this year? You straighten out our paths. God, I pray for our students here who are seniors in high school. I pray for people in this room who have decisions to make. God, that you would straighten out their life. You would straighten out their path so that they are prepared to live fully for you. And God, would you teach us to strive for peace and holiness. And God, I pray a special prayer for people in this room who are battling bitterness in their heart. 
their heart's growing bitter towards someone else. Their heart is growing bitter because life has not gone the way they wanted. God, this morning, as they take of the Lord's Supper, would you heal that bitterness? And would you remind them of the life and the hope and the peace that we have because of Jesus, what he has done for us? God, thank you for this church. God, I love these people. I love what it means to be a part of a church family. Lead us forward, and that begins right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.